Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is series 3, episode 339 of this daily study podcast. Thank you once again for joining us as we as we uh, pause for this week's Come Follow Me materials and look at uh, um, our, com- our listener comments. Uh, we've actually had a few, quite a few this week and so I'm very excited to share those with you and of course continue our discussion about something that is separate from our Come Follow Me study uh, today, continuing our look at the types of doctrine uh, as discussed by Anthony Sweat and others, uh, which we've been having a great study with and I've heard some great comments on. Um, and so we'll continue with that today on esoteric doctrines, kind of the fourth and outer layer of what types of doctrine we have after core or eternal doctrines, supporting doctrines and policy doctrines. And I think actually it's fallen quite nicely that we'll talk about the final type of doctrine today, uh, esoteric doctrines, as we talk about these comments that have come through on Facebook. Um, interestingly, um, all three comments are around the official declaration too. And this is obviously the revelation to President Spencer W. Kimball about um, about approving the priesthood to be ordained to all worthy male members of the church. Uh, And so I'm very interested to share people's thoughts on these. Um, One individual shares, I'm actually commenting about the discussion on declaration number two. I actually heard the announcements on my wedding day as we came out of the temple. My new brother-in-law said he had just heard it on the radio. Having grown up in a very highly Caucasian area, I really didn't know what to think about it. I do remember my first thought was, no, I'm not ready for the world to end. end. I've just started my new life. I must admit, I was pretty naive, that having since learned what a huge blessing to all mankind this revelation has been. When I was 12 or 13, I had occasion to meet President Kimball. He was serving as the president of the Quorum of the Twelve. He spent the evening in my grandparents' home and invited the grandchildren to come and have a party. He instructed my grandma to make popcorn and punch. We gathered around the piano. He played and we sang. I never have forgotten the love that emanated from him. We all genuinely felt his love for us individually. As I've studied this proclamation, I've thought about these feelings of love and felt many years ago, I felt many years ago, and I'm not surprised that President Kimball would worry and ponder over every individual in the church and that this revelation came to him. I thought it was a wonderful comment. Uh, I, I love the idea of, um, you know, the feelings of the individuals at the time. Maybe individuals thinking, whoa, this is showing that the world's nearly ending, uh, that Christ is nearly here. What marvellous news this is. Um, I just thought, is it fascinating? As someone that wasn't even born when this declaration was given, uh, showing my age there, um, I wouldn't be for for another decade or so. You know, it's fascinating to see an insight into um, what feelings were like at this time. Another individual on Facebook shares, I once overheard a discussion by two religion professors at BYU. They said that the subject was first broached by B.H. Roberts in the early 1900s. He couldn't find a doctrinal reason for denying the priesthood to the blacks. He was quickly voted out and the leaders took a hard line on the subject. I've never been able to find out that discussion between B.H. Roberts and President Joseph F. Smith, but I bet it would be an interesting read. And certainly I'm sure it would be. Um, again, like, I, I, I'm not uh, qualified or, or, or I'm not aware of any discussions that took place between the brethren over the years. But as I mentioned in the podcast on official declaration, I am aware that it was referred to by previous presidents as something which would be removed in some at some time, um, but that it wasn't the time then. Um, and so, yeah, I'm sure it would be interesting, um, but I'm, I'm not going to get drawn into discussions on who said what or, or kind of what other people's views were, because, 
you know, I'm sure this was a very difficult, um, a difficult discussion to have amongst leaders of the church for many years. And in fact, President Kimball, I do know, asked the uh, his fellow um, apostles to go away for some time before they came to discuss it on June the 1st uh, in 1978 and find out uh, if they could find doctrinal reasons for why this should continue. And of course, uh, they couldn't. Uh, and our final comment uh, about this says, uh, my mum told me that she believed the blacks would get the priesthood in the millennium or the celestial kingdom. This is probably something that was taught to her as a kid and helped the dissonance of blacks not having the priesthood now. But the scriptures saying everyone having access to all the blessings is actually something that's, that's still taught about those not having the opportunity to marry or have kids in this life or even women using the priesthood. If women can use the priesthood in the temple and perform ordinances and heaven is modeled after the temple, then women will use the priesthood in heaven. I think it goes along with the discussion on different types of doctrine. Who has the priesthood is obviously a policy doctrine that can change, same as polygamy. And if we are faithful to the policy doctrine, even if we don't agree with it, then we will be blessed. Um, I, I found this insight fascinating and actually uh, interesting, considering what I've just said about how this links really well with our continuing discussion on types of doctrine. Um, of course, you know, the, the idea of, who can hold the priesthood is a policy doctrine. The fact that we have uh, young men ages, well, I mean, that in itself has changed in the last few years. It previously was young men aged 12 to 13 held the office of a deacon, 14 to 15 uh, as a, a teacher, and then 16 to 17 as a priest. But then the policy doctrine changed a couple of years ago, and now it is young men who turn 12 in that year. So 11-year-old young men will receive the Uranic priesthood. Uh, in the January that they are, in the year that they are going to turn 12. That is an example of a policy doctrine around the priesthood that has changed. And we don't know how these doctrines will develop or or change over time. We didn't think that high priests and elder quorums would ever be removed. and um, But it was a few years ago uh, that high priests quorums were changed dramatically, that it is now only a handful of the, the brethren in the stake. And the majority of brethren, even if, if, if even if they hold the ordination of a high priest, are in the elders' quorum. Um, that is a policy doctrine that changed a few years ago as well. And we just don't know, you know. And I think that it makes me just grateful that we have a living prophet and apostles to lead and guide us um, under the direction of our Saviour to help us to understand uh, what is his will. And of course, as this uh, comment, this listener wonderfully comments at the end, even if you don't agree with the policy doctrine at this stage, if you follow it, you'll be blessed and, and the blessings that you have prepared for you will be received. And I just, you know, thought this was some, these are some wonderful comments this week. So please do continue sharing these great comments because they really do add a great um, tapestry uh, to our study uh, as we go through. Now, like I mentioned, speaking about um, types of doctrine, we'll quickly go on to our esoteric doctrine discussion and perhaps I don't have as much time on this as I would have wanted thanks to these wonderful comments but I do want to share it. It says quote the word esoteric implies teachings that are only understood by a small group of people. Its synonyms are words such as obscure and ambiguous. Not all doctrines have been revealed and there also there are also doctrines no longer taught that may be true but are not necessary for our understanding now. Close quote. Um these doctrines are the kind of deep doctrines that I was referring to about, um, for example, reasons why um, certain individuals couldn't hold the priesthood until 1978 or 
various other reasons, like what, like what, and it was mentioned in the in the listener comments, like why women do not hold an ordination in the priesthood. I mean, of course, we have further understanding now that shows that they do use the priesthood. I mean, how do they act in their callings if they don't act in the power of the priesthood? I mean, in terms of being ordained, that is that is the case, uh, and so we, there may be doctrine, esoteric doctrines, why this may be, but we don't have a full understanding of them. It further says, quote, as M. Gerald Bradford and Larry E. Dahl succinctly states about doctrine in the Encyclopedia of Mormonism, many individuals write or preach their views. Some, by study and obedience, may learn truths that go beyond the stated position of the church, but this does not authorize them to speak officially for the church or to present their views as binding on the church. There are many subjects about which the scriptures are not clear and about which the church has made no official pronouncements. In such matters, one can find differences of opinion among church members and leaders. Until the truth of these matters is made known by revelation, there is room for different levels of understanding and interpretation of unsettled views. Close quote. These esoteric doctrines, um, I think at times can be seen quite negatively because we don't have a full understanding or teaching on them. Um, but I think that... Uh, we need to have a careful relationship with these doctrines because, of course, they may well be true, but we can't be f sure for certain. And so we can have opinions and thoughts on these things, but we can't ever teach them as true or officially binding. It continues, quote, um, Therefore, they, these are greater doctrines that were known to them and not known to us. These esoteric doctrines are true, but not declared openly. These examples demonstrate that there are doctrines that are not currently taught, but are valid. This opens an avenue for us to evaluate doctrines that are no longer taught, but were at some time taught authoritatively. This does not mean that all things taught in the past will eventually be revealed as core eternal truth, but it does suggest that we should evaluate authoritative statements of the past with vigour and hope for more doctrines in the future. In some cases, esoteric doctrines are referred to as deep doctrines in a somewhat negative tone, yet we are told one day we will read the sealed portion of the gold plates in hopes that it will bring us closer to Christ. Generally, we discuss and search for esoteric doctrines in private rather than in public. These teachings are esoteric because we do not proclaim them publicly or officially, although they may be true and have yet and have been taught or will yet be given in the future. Close quote. So there are and and over the, and by the way, even though we've gone through the four layers or four levels of doctrine, the core doctrine, supporting doctrine, policy doctrines, and esoteric doctrines, um and we are running out of our time, this does not end our discussion here. I want to give some examples of all four within one topic, if you like, to kind of um, officially, or not officially, but to kind of illustrate um, what this may look like in practice. And then I also want to um, have a discussion on some an excellent um, point that was made about how we evaluate what doctrine is. What is doctrine? What materials do we use to determine doctrine? So um, there's an, at least another two weeks worth of, the, of this. Um, but I think this idea of esoteric doctrine is useful to know because it helps us understand that we can study out, ponder and think about and perhaps even discuss, you know, around the around the dinner table or, or something like that about esoteric doctrines. These these doctrines, which may well be true, but we don't know fully, um, but they should not be taught from the pulpit or given as um, binding or, dis or authoritatively in our Sunday school lessons. Um, doesn't mean that they're not doctrine, doesn't mean that, that they can't be referred to, but they shouldn't be taught as binding or authoritatively true. 
because we do not have that knowledge yet. Thank you very much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed the study. Please continue to follow the podcast and uh, please do comment on Facebook. Those comments were wonderful and I'd love to hear more of them. Thank you very much for your time and until we meet again.